Hello there. Good morning. Hey, we're looking forward to spending some time together with you. Uh, welcome to Anchor Point's online service. We are um, going to not be physically together, obviously, but uh, we'll be together in spirit as we listen to Tom's message today. Um, those people that have um, that are here for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you. Uh, we look forward to meeting you. I'm Carrie. And I'm Chris. And we're living in Tottenham. And we've been going to Anchor Point for almost 10 years now. So I just want to thank all of you who have been giving, continue to give. And I want to remind everyone, you can give by sending an e-transfer to giving at apalliston.com. That's giving at apalliston.com. So thanks again for joining us and enjoy your morning. We miss you, especially the kitties. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Let's hear God's word. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is the word of the Lord. Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Tom, if I've not met you. And thank you so much for hanging out and tuning in today. Whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube, welcome. My hope and prayer today is that this, is, this talk will be helpful wherever you find yourself on your journey of following Jesus. And so for us as a community here in Allison, we're kind of officially diving into uh, the letter to the Hebrews today. And so... This letter was written a long time ago. It was written in 60 AD, so about 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. Um, there's this group of people who are following Jesus who are feeling a bit weary. They're feeling like maybe we should just give this up through all kinds of circumstances that are going on that are pretty intense. So in chapter 10, it talks about um, how there was persecution, imprisonment, public shaming, and all kinds of stuff that's happening for this group of followers of Jesus. And so this letter is written, and the author actually is unknown. Some scholars would say it's Paul, some would say it's Junia, and so the long story short, no one really knows who wrote this letter. But it, the letter reads like a sermon, and so it's like it's one long sermon, and it's an exhortation. It's, a, it's this call to keep on going. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And that felt fitting um, for us, I think, just... Um, and hearing the news today that, the again, the lockdown is extended for a few more weeks, that there's probably in us, I know in myself, and I think just through various conversations with some of you guys in our community, there is this sense of weariness um, and just like, what's the point, man? Like, and, and so our hope is, and what I, we, we as a leadership team and, you know, my heart for us and what I feel like in prayer and, and seeking God, his, his desire for us is to 
to be encouraged and exhorted through this letter to the Hebrews, to keep going, to not give up. Because there's three things that the author does. He says there's three reasons why we want to keep going. One, we want to keep going because there is a reward for us if we keep going. Number two is, is because it's, it's actually, it's not going to go well for us if we don't keep going. There's actually, we need to keep going that way. And, and the third thing is, we need to keep going because Jesus is better. Jesus is just plain better. And that's kind of where we're going to focus most of our time is just, we've titled this series, Looking to Jesus, is learning to kind of, with our minds, with our actual bodies, which as in prayer and in worship and in um, silence and solitude and all these ways, we're going to learn how to focus our attention on God, to actually look to Jesus in this in this world where information is overloading and we've got so much stuff at our fingertips, we're going to take time to choose to look at Jesus. So three things, we're going to keep going because you we're going to be rewarded if we do. Um, we're going to keep going because if we fall away, there will be trouble. We're going to keep going because Jesus is better. And so today we're just going to go through the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 1. And I've got seven things about Jesus that we learn in these first four verses. So I've got those things that we're going to go through kind of briefly. And then we're going to end again with some reflection, uh, some reflecting reflection questions. And I've got a challenge for us again. And so I hope, hope you kind of took us up on the challenge last week of uh, sitting with those questions about, you know, what we're, what we're looking to for refreshment. And how we're going to respond to Jesus's invitation to come to him as we own up to our own weariness and tiredness that Jesus invites us to come to be with him. And then we had this challenge about um, auditing our screen time and just trying to, to think through what we're looking at physically with our eyes. What are we putting before our eyes? And so hopefully he kind of took us up on that challenge. And so we're going to kind of build on that this week. So I'm going to read the first four scriptures and then I'm going to pray. And then we'll look at seven things we learn about Jesus, because Jesus is better from these first four verses. So let's read the first four verses together. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is the word of God. Jesus, we are humbled that we get to come into your presence today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and point us to Jesus. May our eyes be opened. Father, we are so grateful for the gift of your Son. And we yield our time to you. We pray that wherever we're listening to this, in our car, in our living room, whether it's years down the road from when this is recorded, Holy Spirit, use this word. I give you my loaves and fishes and just ask you to breathe on them, Lord, and multiply them. May these, may these next few minutes be a blessing to all who hear. We love you and we pray this in your, your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, so seven things we learn about Jesus. And I'm going to kind of go through rather kind of just line by line. We're trying to keep our messages a bit shorter than normal and more practical and applicable. So with that in mind, let's dive in. So what's the first thing we learn about Jesus in these first four verses? The first thing we learn is that Jesus is the revelation of God. So in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, God spoke through prophets. And this came in a multitude of ways and all kinds of crazy actions that they carried out to speak on God's behalf. 
the prophets had given the word of God, but Jesus is the full embodiment of God, of the Father. So every promise God spoke through the prophets is actually fulfilled perfectly and completely in Jesus. So Jesus is the full revelation of God. So when we think about what is God up to, what is his intention, what is his mission, what is his desire for his world, we look to Jesus. It's to reconcile us to him. It's to bring heaven to earth. It's to, to make all things new. It's to, to find the lost, to heal the brokenhearted. All those things are what God is up to. And that's what we are, that's what's revealed to us most fully and completely and beautifully in Jesus. Jesus is God's full and final word, his full and final revelation of himself. Incredible. So my hope, guys, is that as these things go, like we're our 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 hearts are going to be stirred up more and more as we kind of go through each and every point. So the second thing we learn in these first few verses is that Jesus is the Son of God. And this, of course, points us to this whole reality of the Trinity, of, the, of our God, that we, we know to exist as three persons, yet one essence, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity is God. It is, God is, is one essence and three persons who eternally exists as one God. And this is from um, the Nicene Creed, something that the churches throughout history have, have looked to as, as a creed that kind of expresses our faith in Jesus and who God is. And so this is the, the, the part about Jesus. Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. I love this part. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Begotten, not made, being of one, one substance with the Father. Jesus is the Son of God. Third thing that we learn here, Jesus is the rightful owner of everything. This is um, also kind of expressed in, in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, where he says, all things were created for him, talking about Jesus. Or as some have said more graphically, all things were created toward him. All things were created toward Jesus. Everything in the universe has its purpose and destiny in the air, Jesus Christ. And remember, like in father-son relationships, the father is preparing something that one day the son will inherit. And we see that Jesus is the rightful heir of all things as the son. This is a great quote from um, this guy, Abraham Kuyper from the 1800s. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Let that sink in for a bit. Jesus is the rightful owner of everything. Fourth thing that we learn from this scripture it is absolutely packed, if you can't tell. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the entire universe. What? This is from um, Stephen Hawking. He's a brilliant um, physicist. So, uh, this is talking about the entire galaxy. So just think about Jesus being the creator and the sustainer of the entire universe. Um, the most brilliant theoretical physics. Uh, this is about, uh, sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Our galaxy, so where we live, is an average-sized spiral galaxy that looks to the other galaxies like a swirl and a pastry roll, and that it is uh, over 100,000 light years across, about 600 trillion miles he says, we now know that our galaxy is only one of some hundred thousand million 
that can be seen using modern telescopes. Each galaxy itself containing some 100,000 million stars. It is commonly held that the average distance between these 100,000 million galaxies, each 600 trillion miles across, and containing 100,000 million stars, is 3 million light years. On top of that, the work of Edwin Hubble based on the Doppler effect has shown that all red spectrum galaxies are moving away from us and that all, all, and that nearly all are actually red. Thus, the universe is constantly expanding. Some estimates say that the most distant galaxy is 8 billion light years away and racing away at 200 million miles an hour. Jesus is sustaining all of that with his voice. Jesus is the creator of all, and he is the sustainer of all. The entire galaxy, Jesus is, create, is, is sustaining it. If he were to stop, everything would stop. Everything we see, but he's not. He's, he's, he's created it, and he is sustaining it. And so that is a humbling thing when we come to God and think, can, God, can you actually help me? Can you actually get me through these circumstances that I'm going through? Can you sustain me as I go through yet another lockdown? The answer is yes. He's, he's sustaining everything that we just read, Hundreds of thousands of light years across, hundreds of thousands of millions of trillions of gazillions of stars, every atom, every neutron, every proton, every electron, Jesus is sustaining and holding together. He is intricately, intricately involved in our lives, in the actual sustaining of our universe. I pray that brings comfort to your soul. Those of you who are feeling out of control, or does God even see me or know me? He is holding you together. He is holding all things together. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. The fifth thing, this is really important for us. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. So this, it, a really quick summary of that is when we're wondering, what is God actually like? He's like Jesus. When you're wondering, like what, you know, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the New Testament? Yeah, he's like Jesus. What What, what is God really like? Think about when you read through the Gospels, that's what God is really like. As he goes and he heals the woman who had this issue of bleeding for so many years. As he opens the blind man's eyes. As he has a word of, of reproof for the religious elite who've missed the point completely. That's what God's like. He is redeeming and restoring all things. So when we're wondering what God is like, we look to Jesus. Think about it like this way, with the sun and the light. Like the sun, he is the source and radiator of divine glory. He's not a reflection of divine glory because he is actually part of it. He is God himself. The other thing is, is this whole idea of the exact imprint of his nature. And the writer is, is, is um, referring to what used to happen when, when letters were sealed with um, like the imprint of whoever was sending it or even the, stamped with the image um, of a ruler on some type of coinage. And this is kind of cool because if we think about Roman times, um, not everyone had the the ability to actually see the ruler, or say it's Caesar. They didn't actually know what Caesar looked like, the actual king or um, emperor or whatever of their time. And so they would, act, on their money, they would actually, the image of Caesar would be stamped. And so that's this, it's kind of harkening to that exact same idea. We, we can't see God, but we can see God in Jesus. And so he is the exact imprint of God's nature. So everything Jesus is represents God completely and fully. The sixth thing that we learn, Jesus is the remedy for sin. God deals with our sin through Jesus' shed blood. 
I love like how the writer kind of phrases this. It's like all this stuff about Jesus upholding the entire world and he is the radiance of the glory of God. And then it's like, oh, and, and after doing after doing that, you know, as well as all that stuff, guys, he made purifications for our sins. And this this phrase is so key. He sat down. So he's done that. He's made purifications for our sins. And now he sat down. And that, to me, when I read that, implies this, the, the actual finished nature of that. Like, it, I can sit down now because I'm done. You know that feeling at the end of the day where you're like, I got to do the dishes. I got to get this done. I got to do this done before I sit down. And then when you actually do sit down, it's like, ah, oh, my day is done. I can just sit down and relax. It's the same thing. He's done everything he was called to do completely fully. So he sits down at the right hand of the Father's rightful place of authority and of kingship and of worth and value. Jesus does something that is remarkably um, only his to do because this is a cosmic achievement because Jesus did something that no man or priest could ever do. He offers alone the sacrifice that paid for all sins. That had to be the work of a cosmic being. That that speaks to God's or to Jesus's godhood, his his deity. Sitting down again implies that the work is finished. Is finished. There's nothing to add to Jesus's perfect and enduring sacrifice for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Such good news. Last thing, guys, simple point. Jesus is just plain better. And all, all throughout the rest of this letter, we're going to hear this. Where In chapters 1 and 2, Jesus is better than the angels. Chapters 3 to 4, Jesus is better than Moses. Chapters 5 to 7, Jesus is the better high priest. 8 to 9, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Chapter 10, Jesus is the better sacrifice. Chapters 11 through 13, Jesus is author of a better salvation. So Jesus is just plain better. So in summary, Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the rightful owner of everything. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the universe. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the remedy for sin. Jesus is just plain better. Amen. So what do we do with that? How do we process all that stuff? I just a few thoughts, guys, just to reflect on as we go about the rest of our week. Our hope and prayer is that we, as we go through this letter, our, our understanding of Jesus grows, that it actually gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's a part in um, Prince Caspian from the Chronicles of Narnia story that I think illustrates this really well, where Lucy, she, she sees Aslan, who is the representative of Jesus in the story, in the allegory there, and so she hasn't seen him for a while and, and it's been a couple years and then she, she sees him again and they have this beautiful moment where she's kind of tucked into his mane and she, he kind of like gives her a little kiss on the cheek. And, and he says, welcome child. And, and she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And he says, no, that's because you're older, little one. And then she answers a really, I think a really common sense question, not because you are. And he says, I am not, but every year you grow you will find me bigger. I think that's just a, a, such a helpful illustration of what we're going to encounter. The more we actually perceive God, the more we grow in God, the bigger he's going to become. And that's the hope. And that's when we actually know we're getting to know God. When we, we've said things like that before, the more we know God, the more we, need to, we know we need God. Same kind of idea. The more we're in God's presence, as we're in his word, as we're spending time in prayer with him, the bigger and bigger he's going to get. The, the more far-reaching the good news of the gospel is going to go in our own lives and into the world around us. And so I think that's a really helpful thing to think about is we're, I mean, we've gone through these seven things that hopefully each time we've read something, 
your picture and vision of who Jesus is, as you've been looking to Jesus, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And so my challenge to you to reflect on is, have you made, in this season of your life, in this time of your life, has Jesus become smaller and smaller? And so that's just something to think over. Is my, is my vision of God growing or is it diminishing? The second thing um, just to think about is, is that, you know, the, 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 the challenge of the author in this exhortation that we're reading through. He's saying, Jesus is better. That's why you endure. You keep going because Jesus is better. And so I want you just to do a little thought exercise and just picture, like, Jesus is better than fill in the blank. And the truth is that we could put anything in that blank and it, 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 would, it would actually be 100% true. But often the case is we actually flip that on its head and we say fill in the blank. What we're actually living out is fill in the blank is better than Jesus. And so my challenge for you is just to reflect on that. What, what, what needs to be flipped over in your world and in your life, in your way of thinking? Flipped over right to, to right side up, actually. Jesus is better than fill in the blank. And where have you been living as if the opposite is true, as fill in the blank is actually better than Jesus? Where does that come up in your own life? So two things to reflect on, guys. Is your, is your vision of God diminishing or is it growing? And secondly, do a little thought, exer- thought exercise. Jesus is better than fill in the blank is the goal, but walk through in your own life, fill in the blank is better than Jesus. And the challenge, guys, is to kind of go on top of that is we're thinking about and processing through learning how to follow Jesus for the renewal of our town together as a community, as we're learning to live out our discipleship to Jesus. One thing I want to challenge you with is, as we've kind of been thinking through what we're doing, what we're putting before our eyes, the beginning of, of, of the whole letter to the Hebrews, he says, he's talking about how God spoke. God spoke before through the pro- prophets, but now God has spoken through Jesus. I think the question I have for us is, if God has spoken, are we listening? God has spoken, have we heard? Are we listening to God? And so practical challenge for, for you and for me and for all of us as a community to, to take on this week is to practice silence. And this is hopefully an attainable bar. I want you to set a timer, wherever this works. I mean, my recommendation would be, what I'm gonna try to do this week is to start start my day with a minimum of five minutes of silence, just sitting there and, my, and making space to just listen for God. And this could be difficult. And I've, I mean, I've been trying to practice this the last little bit of my life and all kinds of stuff pops into your head. But anyways, the, the practice and the discipline of just being quiet before God, I think is going to be incredibly helpful for us as we journey through this letter together. And as we journey through beyond this letter into following Jesus on and on for the rest of our lives, cultivating silence is really important. So that's the challenge. Try to spend the, at the beginning of your day, five minutes in complete silence. Okay, work through those reflection questions and you can guys, you guys can read up on chapters one to two of Hebrews as we're going to be discussing that next week. So guys, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is helpful to you guys. I didn't mean that. That is kind of rhymy, but um, may God use this to bless you and draw you closer to himself because that's the ultimate goal. We want, we want this all to point all of us towards Jesus in a greater measure that our vision of God would continually grow and that our desire to be with him and to become like him and to do what he did would grow correspondingly. 
So bless you guys. Enjoy your day. And I look forward to seeing you soon.